tell you, I, um, I'm just exhausted, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I am uh, emotionally and therefore physically exhausted. These have been some very difficult times. Of course, the whole coronavirus pandemic has really weighed on us in so many uh, difficult ways. And, uh, you know, and it seems like while we're coming out of this, even uh, the way we have to have Holy Mass here now uh, does weigh on me emotionally, weighs on me therefore physically. Just the safety precautions we have to go with Holy Communion, uh, the fight really to get people to to uh, feel like this is a safe place and uh, not so much uh, hiding uh, some, I, you know, yes, we have to be take precautions, especially the elderly and those with immune compromises, but um, fighting literally to get people to come back. There's room in this church. We could have more people here today. You know, I thought last Sunday's homily was difficult. Of course, I reference uh, the tragedy uh, of George Floyd. I spoke about racism and the need that we, uh, well, that we become not colorblind, this is not the answer, but that we begin to see each other and to celebrate our differences because we are all unique and this gives praise to God. But now I feel like I'm back in the 60s. Now, I was a very young kid back then, but I, uh, I do recall it made a, a great impact on me, the terrible strife that went in our country, but the necessary strife. Uh, you know, I, today I'd hope to be able to speak of something easier. I wanted to talk about the Trinity. <laughs> uh, not an easy topic, but again, I do feel uh, compelled to speak out. Yet I'll be honest, again, the exhaustion, words are lacking. Who knows what to say in these difficult times? Because race relationship in our country is complex and solutions are very difficult. And I'll be honest, I don't even know what to think anymore. My whole worldview in a certain sense is being challenged. I'm a patriot, I like to think uh, of America is good and uh, I try to think the best in each of us. I try to be an optimist. And until recently, I did not understand the Black Lives Matter expression. I would often say, don't all lives matter? Of course, this is true. And while I reject much, much of what Black Lives Matter movement stands for, because it actually works counter to the dignity of black lives, I now kind of better understand at least the expression. I saw this helpful post on Facebook. It said, if my wife comes to me in obvious pain and asks, do you love me? An answer of I love everyone would be truthful, but also hurtful and cruel in the moment. If a coworker comes to me upset and says, my father just died, a response of everyone's parents die would be truthful, but hurtful and cruel in the moment. So when a friend, or I would argue even a non-friend, speaks up in obvious pain and hurt and says, black lives matter, a response of all lives matter is truthful, but it is hurtful and cruel in the moment. My friends, to be clear, I do not support much of what is the quasi-platform of the Black Lives Matter movement. 
I wish they had a strong statement against Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics that have resulted in the death, the death of more than 30 million black lives. That does matter. And only since 1973. I wish they spoke for, to speak for and not against the traditional family unit of mother, father, and child. I wish they had a stronger statement of faith that I could rally around and support. But today and always, I do stand with my black brothers and sisters. But to be clear, that is not to say I stand against police officers. I am a long time supporter of these men and women. I am now and I always will be. They do a very difficult job to keep us safe. And I believe that the vast majority of cops are good men and women. But the pre-sexual abuse crisis has taught us a valuable lesson. Most priests are good, holy, hard-working men of God. So too our bishops. But there was a problem. I'll let others decide if that problem was systemic or not. And as a result of this problem, many did suffer. Many lack trust. And so too with our police departments. Why did this bad cop still have a job? His file was thick, thick way before last week. Why do his supervisors still have jobs? Why are videos popping up all over the internet of unnecessary force being used by police officers? Why is military equipment ever necessary? Why are some police officers covering their badge numbers with tape? Why do there seem to be little consequences for bad behavior? Why do good cops, which do, I believe, constitute the vast majority of police officers, why do they stay silent? Or perhaps they're not silent, but their voices are not heard. My friends, I do not have too many answers today. These are difficult questions. But I do know that what we celebrate today is the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, a day in which we especially meditate on the important question of who is God. There is no more important question. It is only in answering this question that we will get helpful answers to all these other questions and certainly many more. The whole law, our whole moral life can be summarized very simply. We are called to love God and to love our neighbor. My friends, you cannot love a God you do not know. Until we truly love God, we'll continue, continually fail to love our neighbor rightly. And we can learn much about God. And therefore, we can learn much about each other. My friends, we are all, every last one of us, made in the image and likeness of God. Please keep this reality in mind as we go through and speak about, as we go through this homily and speak about who God is. And so who is God? I think there are many parallels we can find in understanding God better to better understand ourselves. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. 
a communion, a communion of three divine persons in one divine nature. Each divine person is equal. This says a lot about who we are as well. Each divine person is equal, all-powerful, eternal, all-knowing, having the same divine nature. Of course, we don't have a divine nature. We are fallen creatures. But you see the parallels uh, in the image and likeness. We, too, are all equal. God is not one plus one equals three sort of God. He's a one equals one equals one, one three times. This is very important. Yet God is distinct. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father, and neither the Father nor the Son are the Holy Spirit. Each person does not share the divine nature, but each are God whole and entire. Distinct, not by mode, distinct not by what they do, but by relation. Can we not learn much about who we are? by understanding this, that God is distinct not by what he does, but by who he is and by relation. The Father is related to the Son, the Son to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is related to both. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and their love begets the Holy Spirit. This understanding of God as a communion of persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is uniquely Christian. It is our great defining doctrine. Yet this is a difficult doctrine to understand. Even after six years, I can tell you, of seminary, the reality of the Trinity is impossible, really, for our finite minds to comprehend, to wrap our minds around. But we can and ought to know something about God and his trinity of persons. Perhaps that is why today's readings seem to focus on the character or essence of God, to help us understand how to respond to the reality that God is trinity of divine persons. This first reading from Exodus, the context of this reading is very important, for this was not the first time Moses went up the mountain. It is actually his return visit, his return visit after that whole golden calf debacle. He now returns to the mountain to intercede for the people and to plead for forgiveness, to plead for forgiveness and a covenantal renewal. Yet he goes beyond this intercession in his prayer with the Lord. He asks to see God's face. Of course, God cannot reveal his face to us this side of heaven. He cannot reveal his unmediated revelation of himself in this life. So he shows Moses his back. A mediated, or if you will, an indirect revelation of who he is. God makes his presence pass before Moses. And while he passes, and while he passes by, the Lord proclaims his name. That is, he proclaims his essence. He proclaims his very being. This is how God describes himself. The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity. God is merciful. He's generous, patient, and kind. 
God is actually mercy, generosity, patience, and kindness itself within the context of a covenantal relationship of love. Of love, my friends. God reveals to Moses and to us his innermost secret. That God is an eternal exchange of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that he desires, he has destined for us to share in that exchange. That eternal exchange of love. He does that by dwelling in us. We call this sanctifying grace. And in doing so, he reveals himself to us. So that we can worship him, of course. But also so that we can better understand ourselves. Paul, in the second reading, tells us how we ought to respond to this truth. Well, simply by rejoicing. Rejoicing in it. God is mercy. He is love. And he wants us to share in his eternal exchange of love. This, my friends, is very good news. Paul also calls us to union with God through reconciliation. He calls us to mend our ways. He calls us to union with each other by encouraging each other, by being agreeable with each other, not argumentative. In other words, trying to find common ground with each other and working to resolve differences with our common ground as the foundation. What would our world be like if everyone did this? Well, Paul tells us in that second reading, we'd live in peace. We'd live in peace with each other, a peace that is found only in and through relationship with God. My friends, the gospel reminds us that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave them. He didn't rent him out to us. He didn't adopt him to us. And he's his only son, gift so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. True peace through relation with him. Love is to wish the good of the other. The Father sent the Son to die for you and for me. God is love. Love cannot be found in isolation. Love needs the other. And God is love. It's not that he loves, although of course he does, not that love is an attribute of his, but that God is love itself. We invoke this reality many times each day. Every time we make the sign of the cross, every time we begin our prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we invoke this reality. We invoke this reality in relation to the cross, the cross upon which love itself won our salvation, won our peace. My friends, the cross is the place and moment in which the unity of three divine persons are most perfectly on display. Perhaps this is where we ought to place ourselves at the foot of the cross so that we can find answers to some of these questions so we can find union in our country and church, so we can find union with all of humanity. Let each of us make a concerted effort to make the sign of the cross 
more reverently. Why is this so important? Because it's from that cross that blood and water poured forth so that you and I could have intimacy with God in the sacraments, so that you and I can be reconciled with him, so you and I can become our, the selves he desires us to be. God tells us we are believers. This is what it means to be a Catholic Christian. And the cross is a reminder of how we were saved and by whom we were saved. The sign of a cross is a reminder that we've been gathered into the divine life of the Trinity, into the eternal life of the Trinity. And our simple gesture is a reminder that the Father sent his only begotten Son. He sent Jesus, that God united his divine nature with our human nature, that he united his infinite goodness with our disorder, with our darkness, so that he could bring forth his light upon us, so that he could, so that we could be saved, and so that we could obtain eternal peace and everlasting joy. He did not do that for us, so that we would have all this racial tension. The Trinity is difficult, my friends, to grasp, but it is important that we do try, because it is a reality who calls us into relationship with him and into relationship with each other. My friends, it is time for us to get off the couch. To get off the couch, if we can go and march in peaceful protest, we can be here today celebrating Holy Mass safely so that we can receive the infinite grace of the most blessed sacrament. and be safe, yes. If you're elderly, maybe this is not the time for you to come. If you're immune compromised, again, not the time for you to come. But we ought to all be doing something to spread this good news, the reality of the Trinity. May God be praising us on this day and always as we honor our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and as we share his love and mercy with another, so that we too can honor him and be saved. Amen.